following is a lecture given by His Holiness Jaya Bhattaka Swami on November 13, 1992 in Brisbane, Australia. The class begins with a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 1st Canto, Chapter 3, Verse 32. conception of his subtle form which is simply realized without being seen heard or manifested but in fact all these gross or subtle conceptions of the body are in relation with the living beings the living being has his spiritual form beyond this gross material or subtle psychic existence the gross body and psychic functions cease to act as soon as the living being leaves his the visible gross body in fact, we say that the living being has gone away because he is unseen and unheard. Even when the gross body is not acting, when the living being is in sound sleep, we know that he is within the body by his breathing. So the living being's passing away from the body does not mean that there is no existence of the living soul. It is there, otherwise how can he repeat his births again and again? The conclusion is that the Lord is eternally existent in his transcendental form which is neither gross nor subtle like that of a living being. His body is never to be compared to the gross and subtle bodies of a living being. All such conceptions of God's body are imaginary. The living being has his eternal spiritual form, which is conditioned only by his material contamination. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta Swami. Translation purport of text 32, chapter 3, canto 1. Of the Srimad Bhagavatam and the matter of Krishna is the source of all incarnations. So just as the Bhagavad Gita has mentioned that there's three levels of Atma, body, mind, and spirit. The body is the gross conception of form. The mental or psychic astral existence is the subtle conception. But the soul is beyond both the gross and subtle conceptions. The living being has his form beyond the subtlety, otherwise he could not have repeated birth. Self-realization means to realize that we are different from the gross and subtle bodies. So long as we're identifying with either of these bodies, there's an obstacle in the path of self-realization. Brahmana, a Vaishnava, is someone who is firmly established in the concept of Aham Brahmasmi, that I am the spirit. The Vaishnava further develops as Jivar Sarupai Nitya Krishna Das, that my eternal identity, or my real identity is I am the eternal servitor of Krishna. That's the progression because the spirit, what does the spirit do? The spirit serves Krishna. That is the nature of the spirit. That's the swadharma of the eternal spirit soul. Practically speaking, if we use the body, if we use the mind in the service of Krishna, then factually we're not identifying with the body and mind. Just like if one uses his automobile to drive somewhere, it doesn't mean he thinks it's the automobile. 
But if somebody, sometimes people do identify with their car. You see sometimes like a teenagers or young people, they spend a lot of time decorating their car and they fix it up and they drive around and they really identify with their car. If you ever smash into their car, they probably shoot you or something. I've seen even in Bangladesh that people have uh, rickshaws, which they spend a lot of effort painting up, putting plastic flowers all over. It's very proud of their rickshaw. So they're very, in one kind of sense, they're identifying, this is my rickshaw, this is my car, this is my house. And they're working even more than there's like some devotion they have for that particular thing. It's like a, a hobby for them. They're really putting a lot of energy into it. So in devotional service, we understand that this body is not meant to be is meant to be used in Krishna's service, and it's not that we should devote a lot of time unnecessarily in uh, pampering the body, preoccupied with the bodily interests. In the Bhagavatam, it clearly says we should worry about a healthy body and engage in devotional service with Krishna. We shouldn't neglect our health, but apart from that, it's not that we should be spending so much time on the body. This is a, is a kind of an anachronism in some levels of life. Difficult for me as a sannyasi to understand. Sometimes um, family people complain how they're not having so much family affection or family activities, family-centered activities, where I guess that's why I took sannyas. Prabhupada gave me the mercy. Because theoretically I always thought that uh, Grihastas, uh, they would be happy by engaging in devotional service together. That would be serving Guru and Krishna together would be something which were, would be satisfying. But it seems that many times they're saying they want, that's not enough. A lot of effort has to be given. Now I can understand children, they require a lot of special attention. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he would give two hours a day or one hour a day when he wasn't out preaching to his family. The rest of the time he was engaged in preaching and all of his children, all of his wife, everyone was helping and they enjoyed helping their father or their husband engaging in Krishna conscious activity. Probably that's why we can, I mean, we can understand why Bhaktivinoda Thakur, when he was in his house, he saw the spiritual world. He saw Krishna, he saw Radharani, he saw the entire Golok Vrindavan manifested in the spiritual house. And why there's a lot of Grihastas in this world that do not see the spiritual world manifested in their house. So they could look to Bhaktivinotapra. Why is it that he was able, and his wife was able to see the spiritual world in their house? Because they were looking for Krishna, they were looking to please Krishna. And that was their biggest happiness, to serve Krishna together. So we can see that this body, psychic and spiritual identification, if we can do it properly, if we can actually identify that I'm the eternal servitor of Krishna, it doesn't matter whether we're a brahmachari or a grihastha or a vanaprastha or a sannyasa. But if we're not able to identify like that, if we have many other unnecessary or superficial demands on the body or physical or mental level, then what's going to happen is we're going to be distracted from our real purpose of life, which is to serve Krishna. So sometimes someone knows that actually I'm not really surrendering to Krishna. I'm not really giving everything to Krishna. In my heart I'm cheating, I'm stealing, I'm trying to enjoy something. So then what happens is uh, we start accusing other people. 
you're trying to enjoy, and you're trying to enjoy, and that person's enjoying. Nobody is pure. Because in our heart we're a thief. And that is like the story of the thief who cried thief. You know that example. Once in our village in India there was uh, there were many thefts going on. And every time there was a, a theft in somebody's house and then after the people they started crying out, Thief, 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 chore, chore, they cried, thief. And all the village would come out and they'd say, thief, thief, and everyone's thief, thief. And they're all looking around for the thief. So they could never find the thief. And this was going on, you know, every week, every few days, another theft. And as soon as you see that some thief is stealing, he say, screams out, thief, and the thief runs away, and then just to, you know, attract everyone, the thief, thief, and all the people come from their houses, and they're all yelling, thief, thief, looking for the thief, but they never find the thief. So one very intelligent elder of the village, he said, let's see, who's at all these thefts? He made a list, house A, B, C, D. He thought, one person is always at every theft. So he tells the night guard of the village, you watch his house at night and just see what happens. What, what do I suspect this guy? So for he kind of staked out his house in the woods. After about a week or so, a man came out of his house at two in the morning with a ladder, bamboo light ladder. He came out, went over to somebody else's house. The man was following him put the ladder on the wall, climbed over the wall, went in, and then after a little while, he was running out of the house, and, you know, as he's running out of the house, the household is crying out, thief, thief, thief! And the thief went and ran into the forest with a big box of jewels and things, and all kinds of people started coming, and what happened, thief, thief! And that guy came back, and he's also joining them, thief, 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 thief! And they're all running around looking, and he's yelling, everybody's yelling, thief, you know. The actual thief is there also saying, thief, thief, where's the thief? We have to get these thieves. This is too much. You know, he was one of the most vocal, you know, <laughs> against thieves, you know. Intolerable, these thieves. In fact, there, the, the chokidar who was there uh, following them, they, they came across him. And he said, this must be the thief. What's he doing here lurking in the shadows? And then they, they started roughly, what are you doing here? You know, some, somebody even punched him. Why did you come on? Just come out with it. You're the thief, aren't you, you know? And then uh, the village elder came and, no, no, don't be him. He's not the thief. You come and tell me what happened. So I said, this is the actual thing. This guy came out with his ladder and everything, put the jewels in the forest. So he came, okay. The night guard, he said, he was watching. He said that actually... The thief ran into the forest, and the, the treasure must, the, the, the jewels must be there in the forest. Let's go and look for the jewels. And that actual thief, he said, no, 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 we shouldn't go in the forest. The forest is very dangerous, and the insects might be there, mosquitoes and snakes and tigers, so many things, you know, we should, I think we wait for the morning, and then we go. Now it will be very dangerous in the night, going into the dark forest. I think we shouldn't go there, no, no. No, no, let's go. We're going to go now. And so then they all, the elder took everyone and then they found, and they found the treasure. So then he said, look, this is the actual, this guy, he was the one who went and then how, that's his ladder. He went and he did the whole, gave the whole story. 
And then the people, oh, you're the rogue, you know, and they all went to jump on him and he's running away. So the few people are running after him and they're saying, thief, thief. So the thief, he's running ahead, he's pointing in the distance, he's yelling out, thief, thief. So the ordinary people are watching and they hear everybody yell, thief, thief. And they say, one guy is running ahead saying, thief, thief. And a bunch of people after him, the thief, thief. You know, like, where's the thief? You know, it's like, <laughs> Because the guy in the front is also yelling thief, so that nobody thought to grab him, you know. It looked like he's also part of the <laughs> pursuit party. <laughs> gives a story, actually, how some of the people who are actually cheating, actually stealing from Krishna, they're the first to accuse everybody else to the end. But actually, they're the ones who are doing it. Even they'll accuse innocent people. We're actually pure in heart, but they'll say they're all thieves. When you actually go in, you find out who the real thief is. So, in the Vaishnava K also, he brought out this point that when somebody's uh, the mind, the nature like of the mind is like that, it will try to accuse others and give some kind of reason why we can leave strict Krishna consciousness. Whatever, nobody is doing it. Okay, I'm not a pure devotee. So many different excuses are given. But here in this verse we can very clearly see if we want to get back to Krishna, if we want to, we have to transcend bodily and psychic identification. That means we have to work for Krishna's interest. Krishna's interest is spiritual. Just like if, if, if the temple has a car and if you don't put the water in the radiator and you don't change the oil and you don't take, you're not in the engine, the head cracks or something. Well, you're not taking care of Krishna's property nicely. That's a that's a very careless, very irresponsible. So it's not that somebody who's Krishna conscious doesn't have a very clean body, doesn't maintain the body, eat properly. It's natural that uh, a Krishna conscious person will also take very nice care of their body. In fact, generally the materialists they say it's my body, I can do what I want. Even though the government says all the doctors are saying that smoking is uh, dangerous for the lungs, causes cancer, but people say it's my life, I can do what I want. If I want to die of cancer, who can stop me? So the demoniac idea is this is my body, if I want to destroy it, I can do so. So they actually mistreat their body, thinking that it's theirs to mistreat. But the devotee doesn't put any dangerous or harmful substances in the body knowingly tries to maintain the body so that it will be healthy to serve Krishna. So sometimes the materialists think, well, the devotees must you know, be mistreating or something, doing so many austerities. Actually, the devotees uh, generally are more healthy. They take proper care of their bodies. So when we uh, engage everything in Krishna's service, that's basically what whole Lord Chaitanya is about, movement of Lord Chaitanya is about. Engaging our thoughts, our words, our deeds, everything in Krishna's service. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he gave a very simple process to spread the Sankirtan movement. What a wonderful yajna. We can use all of our activities, physical, mental, intellectual, everything can be used. How to spread the Krishna consciousness movement, how to build a temple, how to get a better property, how to uh, distribute more books, how to develop the uh, friends and the congregation, how to uh, train up new devotees. goes on and on. There's no how to build, make beautiful artistic uh, presentations, uh, audiovisual presentations, musical presentations. 
everything can be used in Krishna's service. So it allows for engaging our mind and our body completely in Krishna's service. When we are absorbed, then we're not on the physical or the mental platform. That's why Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, Mamcha Yoga Vichari Na Bhakti Jyotina Sevate Sagunan Samatita Itan Brahmabhuvaya Kalpate. When we are engaging in Bhakti Yoga Sevate, in service in the process of Krishna consciousness, we become Gunatit, Gunatita Itan. Gunatit means transcendental to the modes of nature. Brahmabhuvaya. We become identified with the Spirit. So engaging in devotional service is the means of being on the spiritual platform. The brahmacharis, they're serving their guru. Grihastas, they're also serving their guru. The, even the, the wife is serving the husband as a Vaishnava. In that way, she's also concerned doing devotional and serving the husband as a devotee, as a representative of Krishna. The husband's protecting his uh, family also as a devotional service, engaging them in Krishna's service. The Vanaprastis, they're directly engaging in Krishna's service. The sannyasis are completely engaging in the service of Guru and Krishna. Whole Vard Ashram and Krishna Kanjana is based upon serving Krishna. All the ashramas, everything is to, to bring people up to the spiritual identification. We're doing our devotional service with the idea of achieving the perfection of life. This is Sanskrit verse that says, uh, Sosya nam griha agatam. Sosya is the crops in the field, the grains, the wheat, the rice, the, the crop. We have a very nice field of crops, but if the hailstorm comes and knocks the ripened grains down on the ground, then what is the use? A farmer, what is his satisfaction? Just he sees the Feels he gets a certain pleasure, but the real satisfaction is when he can harvest and bring it home. So that's why the Vedic verse is that Apparently, sometimes devotees would start to praise uh, some new devotee to Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. But oh, that devotee is really fired up, really, really good, really nice devotee. And then he would give a reply, like the proof is in the Pudding. The proof is when you get the harvest home. It's got a good start. Let's see if he makes it to the end. Sometimes you hear devotees, well, I've done so much service. I've done so much for Krishna. I've done so much. What has the movement done for me? I don't have a color TV. I don't have my own car. I don't have my this. I don't have that. You hear materialistic devotees complaining. Actually, what, what do we want? Is that why we've come to Krishna consciousness? We've come to get home back to Godhead. And until we get there, the harvest isn't taken yet, just in the field. So somehow people, somehow devotees, and somewhere along the line, they start to identify again with the body and the mind, in some cases. And it's very painful how this disease infects devotees. So for the devotees who are fixed they had to be very careful. I said, no, this is the disease. This is what we are here to guard against, that I don't identify with the body and the mind, that I can bring that harvest back home. When I'm back in the spiritual world with Prabhupada and Krishna and the spiritual master and we're, or uh, I'm, I'm, you know, serving in the, my eternal sarupa, 
that's when I, when I have Krishna Prema and I'm Krishna is, uh, I'm bowing down at the lotus feet of Krishna or Krishna is coming and embracing me uh, why have you taken so long to come back to me I've been waiting for you when all those uh, transcendental mercies that are described by the Goswamis are achieved that's when the harvest is there until then there's really no ch- uh, time to it's not the time to delay it's like those who know agriculture if you if you miss the time Sometimes when it's sunny out, and you you have to dry your your grains in the field quick and get them back in because if it starts raining, you don't get the grains back in time. They all rot in the field. There's all these kind of obstacles. So we don't know what the future is holding for us. We don't know what obstacles are there. So whenever whatever the circumstance is, we want to simply be very careful to use every opportunity of Krishna's service, not to make a slight mistake. Prabhupada said it's like if somebody's shaving with a straight-edge razor and they're a little careless, they can easily cut themselves. So that spiritual life is like a razor's edge. It just takes a little bit of bodily identification, a little bit of uh, mental uh, concoction, and we can get off the track. And the harvest won't get home this life. It'll get maybe some future life. We'll get another chance. Nothing's lost. But we want to bring the harvest home in this lifetime. This is the special chance that Lord Chaitanya is giving us. That we can bring home the harvest at this time. Prabhupada promised to chant 16 rounds, follow the four principles, engage in your devo- in the vo- service to Guru and Krishna. Your whole life you'll go back to Godhead. That's the yagya, to get the harvest home. So, in the material world, people are actually having the hard struggle for existence. But then, the devotees... They're not having that same kind of uh, struggle, actually, because of being under the shelter of Krishna. Even the so-called material things we have to do, in devotional service, everything is blissful. It's just like in the river. If you try to swim in the river, if there's a strong current, it sweeps you away. But then you look in the river and you see, even though there's a strong current, there's so many fish in the river, they're swimming upstream. In spite of the very swift rapids, they're able to swim upstream. So... When we see that everything is Krishna's energy, and then we become like one of the fish in the Krishna's energy, we can even swim upstream. What normal people think to be very austere, very uh, difficult situation, of, you know, a great uh, difficulty for the devotee, it's all simply part of their devotional service. When there's some crisis, the devotee takes this as Krishna's mercy. This is forcing me to surrender more intensely on Krishna, to realize there's no other hope but Krishna. And when there's a good, favorable situation, then the devotee uses that nice situation to do more service for Krishna because there's less obstacles, not to reduce the, the devotional service. So everything is focused. And if we can get that focus, then we'll get unlimited spiritual ecstasy in serving Krishna. Actually, uh, in Canto 1, Chapter 3, Text 33, it states that whenever a person experiences by self-realization that both the gross and subtle bodies have nothing to do with the pure self. At that time, he sees himself as well as the Lord. So when we actually realize that, this, that my happiness is not dependent on my gross or subtle body, that it doesn't really have anything to do with the eternal spirit self, then immediately we realize Krishna. And how can we realize that? When we're engaging our body in Krishna's service, when we're consciously doing everything and uh, for the pleasure of Guru and Krishna. 
And those activities may even be the same activities that sometimes someone would do for their own physical interest. But consciously we're not doing it for that purpose, we're doing it to please Krishna. Somebody eats for their own physical purpose, we're eating before Krishna's service. Somebody sleeps because they sleep, everybody sleeps, but the devotees sleep, I have to take rest so I can serve Krishna better tomorrow. So the same activities are done but a totally different consciousness. And as one does everything in all the different ashrams of life and all the different circumstances, simply for the pleasure of Guru and Krishna, then you are eventually identify that actually this body and this mind has nothing to do with the pure spirit soul. My spirit soul is eternally related with Krishna and then we can realize immediately Krishna. But to, to achieve that, then we have to, we have to really work at transcendental identification. If we don't follow the process, then we're not going to get the harvest. Then we have to understand, we're not going to get it in this lifetime. And we very carefully follow it, you know, even a reasonably good attempt by Krishna's mercy, by Prabhupada's mercy, by Gornita's mercy, then we'll achieve. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Any questions? Well, that's where the sadhana, the chanting, the hearing, the association with the Vaishnavas protects us. I remember some devotee just told me, well, I, somehow I started gradually, I, I got sick, I got pregnant, I got this, I got, I forget what it was. Anyway, I started, I stopped chanting, but I'm going to be a devotee my whole life, even though I haven't, I'm not chanting anymore, but I mean, in my heart, I'm a devotee. I believe in Krishna, there's no problem. <laughs> But then what happens is uh, it's very easy for the grains to rot in that state. When we are chanting, when we do service, we get spiritual pleasure, we get reciprocate, we can realize that that satisfaction of serving Krishna. Because the consciousness is kept pure, it's like the, the, the radio is able to be tuned in the Krishna station. And when we stop chanting, gradually the, the, the control gets fuzzy and we don't get a clear reception. We don't get a clear experience of that spiritual bliss. And if we, we all depend on happiness. Don't kid yourselves. Every one of us wants to be happy. And therefore, Nityananda Prabhu, they're giving us, Goranga, they're giving us spiritual bliss. To get that spiritual bliss is the Harinam Sankirtan. Golokya Premadhana Harinama Sankirtana. When we engage in the Sankirtan, we get so much spiritual bliss. And that's what uh, immunizes us from attraction to temporary happiness. If we don't chant, if we don't get that spiritual bliss, if we don't get sometimes in rip-roaring kirtans and just really absorb ourselves in the chanting, then uh, we are more susceptible to maya's attack as we gradually don't chant. So definitely keeping up the sadhana, keeping up the, the program of getting into the harinam, getting into the discussions about Krishna Kata, all these uh, spiritual activities, the time we invest in that, that is uh, the kind of immunization so that grains will be preserved over so the harvest. And uh, the other devotional service and other things, these are just the continuing of the watering and fertilization process as part of the weeding 
Because if we didn't do that, we would get into weeds, we get into some material activity. So we have to keep ourselves active in Krishna's service. Just like you have people go on the fields and they weed and they take care of it, but eventually you have to also irrigate and flood the fields and they have to put some fertilizer. That kind of irrigation and uh, fertilization, Lord Chaitanya described it as, especially these intense devotional services. He described it as Sravanadi Jal Koraye Sechan. With hearing and chanting water and other devotional services, water your spiritual plant. So you don't want your plant to dry in the fields. You have to keep it healthy, watered. So this always been compared like a kind of a rice plant. You can't, there's no problem with over flooding it. It keeps away the other weeds when it dries and cracks. Or if you don't properly weed, you don't really keep it flooded and if other weeds come up, then that's a problem. But the devotional creeper doesn't suffer from over flooding of Krishna Prima. That does, that's not one of the problems. It's not a sensitive to that. This is sometimes like in a rice field, this example is given that you have to always keep it flooded. At least a few inches of water should be there. If ever you let the rice, the, the paddy field dry out, so what happens is that there's a certain water retaining factor that the field has, so when it dries out, it starts to crack. Then when you pour the water again, it, it doesn't uh, hold as easy. It goes through the it goes through the substratum, and it's much harder to once you lose it, it's harder to uh, get it back again. You have to re-soften that soil. And uh, in fact, uh, in, in, if that ever happens, if your rice field ever dries out. You have to hire workers to come in and they, they physically massage the soil and, and uh, make all the cracks disappear. Now they have little machines that they can push little machines. That, in the, in the, but previously in India, still today, they do it by hand. So once if we, if we lose it, we lose the momentum, we lose the taste, it's a little harder to get back. You have to work at it. You actually have to really... Initially, do a little uh, tapasya, whatever you might feel like tapasya, because uh, you got you let the field dry. Just like new bhaktas, they go through so many difficulties. You know, some devotees sometimes talk to them harshly or get on their case, and they think, "Wow, why did I come here for this?" You know, they go through so many. Then finally, they get a taste, and they 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 pass through it all. They take initiation. They're but then somewhere along the line, if you let your field dry out again, then you have to again expect that you're going to have to put a, a little extra effort in to, to get the, the water retaining factor, to get the bliss back in the heart because you, you neglect it. So all these examples are given by the Acharyas. A lot of rice examples, uh, sugar cane examples, all kinds of agricultural examples are there. You know the story about the ABC teacher. And actually, you know, this, all these things seem very simple, like devotional service sometimes. Because it's too simplistic. But it's actually a great science. The Prabhupada many times said that the karmis and the ganis and the yogis, they can't do devotional service. They're very great art and science, how to do it. So there's an example given. The one time there was a widow, had a small, had a young child and she was poor and not very well educated but she wanted to really give the best to her son so she hired a tutor private tutor to train the son 
and every month she'd pay a hundred uh, rupees to that tutor to, to come and teach her son after school with the homework and everything. So after about six years, the boy was maybe 11 years old, the tutor started to train, uh, so today we're going to teach you uh, geometry. And the widow was inside the kitchen cooking. So she just kind of faintly hearing what's going on, not really paying much attention, but just kind of hearing it while she's cooking. So the teacher is saying, the first part of geometry is the triangle. Triangle has three sides, three points. So each point is uh, denoted by a letter, A, B, the other one's C, I only have two hands, two hands. A, B, and C, is kind of something. So the boy repeated, yes, okay, what's this, A, what's this one, B, and the other one, C. Okay, now the sides are called as A and B, B and C, C and A. So he had the teacher, and I repeat, what is this side? A, B, B, C, C, A. A, B, B, C, C, A. And the widow isn't listening, and she, all she's hearing is, you know, A, B, C, A, B, C, A, B, C. She said, what have I been doing? I've been paying this tutor for six years, a hundred rupees a month, and still he's telling my son the ABCs. And she flipped out and she's ran in, Get out of here! You're fired! You're fired! Out! Out! What a nonsense! After six years, you can only still teach my son ABC, ABC. He's not progressed at all. So you're a useless teacher. You get out. No, but I don't want to hear anything. I had enough ABC after six years. hundred rupees. Out! Out! So what can the teacher do? He packed his book up and left. So sometimes we think that... Uh, what it says all A, B, C, A, B, C, it sounds like the same thing. But it's not. It's actually higher mathematics, you know. It's higher spiritual subject matter. Some of the definitions or nomenclature may be the same. It's actually much higher. So general people, they sometimes think, what is this? Only you chant Hare Krishna, nothing more. You hear sometimes, people, only you know, like if you sit there and do tre- uh, pretzel asanas, then, you know, they think, but if you... You tell them all the devotional service, it's just Hare Krishna, nothing more. There's so much to devotional service, there's so many things. But uh, to the uninformed observer, like their widow, they think, well, this is all ABC. They don't realize that this ABC is a different level of ABC. This is a geometry, this is a higher aspect. They just superficially get mistaken, fooled. So all these little principles that Lord Chaitanya said, and they seem very simplistic, but they're very profound. And they're the means that we can bring the harvest home, that we can get back to Godhead, we can develop pure love of Krishna. They're much more advanced than the other yoga processes. They're dealing with the much, with the spiritual, the fine cutting edge between spirit, mind, and matter. The fine cutting edge, which the yogis, they don't get to that level until they're up in dhyana and samadhi. Then they start to really see what's the difference between the mind and the spirit. And we're trying to train even our bhaktas, even the new devotees, and all the devotees, you know, right from the very beginning of devotional service, the bhakti yogis, they distinguish what is spiritual, what is material. So, all right? Any other questions? Any doubts? Questions? He was laughing at him, and because of the devotee's um, feeling offended, then the, the devotee's vision was stopped. So sometimes we commit offenses 
just don't really realize that we're doing it or might not be intentional or might be part of our service to correct someone and get a problem. So how can we become humble so people don't take that as an offense? Well, that's where Prabhupada said that uh, this is Krishna consciousness, so we have to be conscious. We're conscious about and some of the Goswamis said they come in ecstasy, even their ecstasy was uh, stopped by Krishna, according to your example, so they could be aware of what's going on. Sometimes Lord Chaitanya would be in ecstasy and then he'd notice that all kinds of people were there watching him and then he'd control himself. So even if Lord Chaitanya would control himself, Obviously, like when he was embracing Ramananda Rai, and then uh, they were crying, and then he looked and saw the Brahmins, and said, what is this uh, sannyasi embracing the sudra for? You know, their, con- their consciousness was on a totally physical, external platform. So then Lord Chaitanya saw they couldn't understand what was going on. Then he controlled himself, and he told Ramananda Rai, let's get together alone someday. And then they had a private meeting when nobody else was around and discuss Krishna consciousness. So like that, if we're aware that what we're doing is actually disturbing somebody else, then uh, it's detrimental for someone else's spiritual life, then uh, we adjust. Of course, the one exception I heard was that uh, somebody said to Prabhupada, sometimes people when we're chanting in Harinam, they cover their ears. And Prabhupada said, well, you know, it's like, the devotee sometimes, uh, I forgot exactly what he said, something either like, pull his hand away, of course that would be assault and battery in the West, they couldn't really do that, but I mean it's like, <laughs> or chant louder, I mean, we're not, that might seem like to the West, like wow, that's really violent, that's impeding on someone's privacy, but from a higher spiritual point, actually probably just want to actually deliver that person, that the chanting is somehow having some effect, that to purify them. So even though our Harinam, some people may or may not like it, we'll try to sing it sweetly and nicely, but if there's some real demonic person they don't like it, we're not going to stop chanting. It's not, you know, we're going to be the other extreme. But in our devotional service and dealing with devotees, we have to be considerate that we want to help the other devotees in their service also. We'll please Krishna if we can help others. We don't want to just do our service and then a inadvertently obstruct anybody else in their service. So it's a team effort. We try to help others, older devotees, try to help the younger devotees, the less advanced devotees, so they can also advance. It's not that sometimes people say, well, it's a swan eat swan world. It's not like that. The devotional service is everyone tries to help uh, the others as much as they can, at least not to obstruct anybody in their devotional service knowing that Krishna will be very pleased if we help others. And Krishna isn't pleased if we cause any uh, devotee some kind of unnecessary anxiety. The guru had the temple presidents and the managers sometimes have that thankless task of having to tell devotees that, well, your service needs to be improved in this area or give some kind of constructive criticism. Sometimes the devotees might not feel happy about it, so... They try to learn to do it in the nicest possible way or the most effective means. Sometimes one has to, in preaching, has to do that. So that's done as expertly as possible to produce the desired result, to actually bring the person out of the modes. And if the person's brought more into the modes and we didn't do it right, how do you